You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Gospel of Luke, Jesus for All, we walk through Luke's account of the life and ministry of Christ. Well, good morning. Um, that voice sounded familiar. Uh, so. My name is Marty. Um, I am a, a member um, of Mountain City Church, and I'm on staff here as well. Uh, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Um, normally, Pastor Joe is, uh, does the speaking here at Mountain City. Um, he's been feeling under the weather. Um, I was already planned and scheduled to be teaching today, so uh, I'm, I'm excited. It's almost as if God orchestrated not him getting sick, but like me to be speaking today um, in order um, yeah, to be able to help him get some rest during this time. We're going to be continuing our study today um, in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 6 is where we're going to be. So if you want to get your Bibles there, um, as, we're, as you're flipping there, um, some of you may have noticed like some balloons on the wall and like what's going on. Um, so this is the last week for our college students. They're in finals week. Um, so some of them went home this weekend to celebrate Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and grandmothers. Um, and so this week, I would encourage you to be praying for our college students involved in our crew ministry. Um, there was a picture up there earlier. Don't, don't, don't worry about going to it because otherwise it'll mess up the recording. But um, there was, you'll see it later. Some, on Thursday, we acknowledged and um, celebrated our seniors um, in their time here at Crew. We had five seniors. And it was really cool to hear their stories um, on Thursday night about how they came to Crew, how they... Um, there was a lot of dark in it. It was funny if you were there. Um, but how they made connections over bonfires through the... Um, Caitlin said... Uh, it was Kate. No, no. Who was the brownie? Avalon. Avalon. So Avalon, we gave her her Bible last week. That's right. I couldn't remember who. Avalon um, said it was at the bake sale that somebody connected with her. So one of your brownies connected with Avalon four years, three years ago. Uh, and brought her two years ago, only two years ago. Oh, it's a fresher brownie. Okay, so two years ago. Uh, and so those little things made the connections. It was really cool to go through the stories and hear. It was like, oh, it was a game night at the cafeteria. It was a brownie here. It was a connection and talking to um, at the bonfire. It was the fact that they remembered my name the next time they saw me. It was little things like that. Um, so thank you for the impact you've had. And um, I would encourage you to be praying for the, the, the students this, this week. As they are in finals week, I remember that time, and I do not, do not um, envy them as they are going through their finals week. So if you want to reach out to them, message them, I'm sure that would be an encouragement this morning, or this week, uh, for them. So, um, Luke chapter 6, let, let me pray for us, or let me read, and then um, let me read our passage, and then I'll open us in a word of prayer. So, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 27. Jesus says here, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Uh, to one who strikes you on the cheek, offer him the other. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs of you. And from the one who takes away your good, do not demand them back. Uh, and as you wish what others would do to you, do so to them. Verse 32. Uh, if you love those who love you, what benefit is to it to you? 
for even the sinners um, love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom expect, uh, ex- if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's, let's pray together. God, again, just thank you this, this morning that we are able to gather together in your name. God, as we are looking at, uh, at this passage and, and other verses, help us to learn how to love our enemies rightly. How we can love you rightly. And how that will affect and change the way that we love others. Father, help me not to get distracted today, and may my words, may my words proclaim your greatness this morning. Pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when Joe, um, Joe was asking me, he's, uh, he gave me a couple choices of things to be speaking on as we were going through Luke, and I, and I chose this one. And it had been very easy, it had been very easy for me to, um, as I was approaching this, to turn this just into a moralistic teaching of do good things, quit being, be nice to your neighbor, the person that dog barks at night when you're trying to sleep, or like that um, doesn't mow their lawn as quickly as you would like, that's your enemy. Like we can probably identify a lot of like lowercase e enemies in our life. The people that just annoy us, the person that gets in front of you uh, at the express lane, in the, whether on the interstate or in Walmart, both annoy you. Um, or maybe the enemy is just that self-checkout thing that's put item in, ba- put item in bagging area and, you're just, and you're, just, you're just waiting and you're calling down vengeance on this machine. Um, maybe that's your enemy this morning, but I hope, I hope. Anyways, I hope we have something else. Uh, and normally, I don't get too hung up when I'm reading the Bible. Um, like, a word normally doesn't jump out to me and just keep really egging me on or um, sticking out to me. But as I was reading this, for whatever reason, that first verse, I just I couldn't get away from it. In verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Now again, Jesus here, he's, he's speaking to this big crowd. If we're following through, he's been going through the Beatitudes, and he's probably just upset a lot of people, as Joe was talking about last week, when he says, like, woe to the rich. Um, woe to you who are full. Woe to those who laugh. And those who speak, like, woe to, those, woe to you, for when people speak well of you. Um, and it's like, they also do that to the false, your, um, the false prophets. So as Jesus is speaking, this is one sermon, one big thing. A lot of people have probably gotten upset. As he's saying, like, blessed are the poor. Well, why are the poor blessed and not me, the rich man? Uh, as Jesus is going through and is saying, blessed are the hungry, for they will be satisfied. And those who are weeping, they're going to be laughing. And then he says, those who are laughing are going to be crying. Those who are rich are going to seem to be make poor. Those who are hungry... Um, and he goes through, and I would imagine a lot of people are getting kind of grumpy and grumbling at Jesus' words here. And so then when he gets to verse 27, he says, But to you who hear, those who are still with me, 
Those who are actually listening to the things I, I those who are actually listening and following along, I, I have something I want to I want to tell you. It's really easy whenever people are talking or listening or um, I'm having a conversation with my wife even, like, she'll say one thing and I start listening to that and then she keeps talking and talking and talking and then she says, are you listening to me? Like, yeah, no, because I'm still stuck on the first thing. And Jesus, I think, is in a similar way, is like, but those who hear, those who actually are desiring the things I've been talking about, this is what what I'm calling you to do. Love your enemies. And do good to those who hate you. It is easy for us to stop listening when we kind of get hung up on one thing, or we, or somebody says something we may not like it or agree with it fully, or we're still, and so we just stop listening to them. Oh, that possibly can't be. That person can't. They really don't mean. And we start playing out a narrative in our own mind. Well, here Jesus is again calling them to action, to love their enemies. Now, if we're thinking again, as Jesus is speaking this, who were the enemies to the Jews at this time, or the people in the time? The, Roman, uh, the Romans probably would have been a big enemy. As we're thinking about, they are oppressing the Israelites. They're under their rule. So I imagine every single day, the Jews, as they were walking the streets, as they were in Jerusalem, and they're seeing the presence, the military presence, the taxing presence of the, of the Romans... Um, other enemies, well, we know the, the Jews, um, specifically, they didn't like the Samaritans. Whenever, like, there's the woman at the well and that whole story, we learn that the, the Jews and the Samaritans, they, they, they didn't get along. So maybe they were enemies, or as I kind of said earlier, maybe lowercase enemies. Like, we're not going to go start a war against them, but we sure don't like them. And we'll just let them over there, and they better not step in my yard. I'm sure there would have been other, we could go through and list other enemies and people groups. Um, at this point, Jesus seems is an enemy of the Pharisees. Um, and later on, as they plot his death, so may, we could consider them maybe an enemy here. There's, Jesus is clearly trying to get their attention by those who have ears, let him hear. And then he says this big thing, as Nate alluded to, like, love your enemies. Well, in the law, as we read, as Sam read for us, we, we get the idea of loving our neighbor, and then Jesus even had to define what that was through parables of loving our neighbors, basically loving anyone around you, not just the person in the house next to you, in the apartment next to you, but like loving everyone around you. Okay, we, okay I, it's easy to love people who are lovable. Jesus speaks about that in this passage. Jesus speaks about this in this passage. It is easy to do good to, to people who do good to you. But he says, love your enemies. So I have kind of three questions I want to be, us to be thinking about as we're going through this passage and looking at some other passages. And the first one is, how do, how do, you, um, how do you see your enemy? How do you see your enemy? And these will be up on the screen for a while, and we're going to come back to these a couple times. But how do you see your enemy? Or or maybe another way to even say that is, who is your enemy and why? The Romans, for the Jews, that have been an easy enemy to identify and why. So, like, how do you see your enemy? And uh, this next question is, like, so how do you feel about them? How do you feel about them? Do we want them out? Do we want them killed? Do we need to wipe them out? Like, what... 
I just want to embarrass them and show I'm smarter than them. I just want them to get in the slow lane so I can pass because I'm more important than they are. Um, and this third, third question, which kind of then leads to, so what actions do you take towards your enemies? Now, we're all good people. We're not going to go out and start, like, punching people in the face um, on the interstate, at least I hope not, or in the, in the checkout line at Walmart. Black Friday videos, they, those always scare me, though. They seem to bring out the worst. A good sale makes people, makes people different. And yard sale season is upon us. So I don't know. But what actions do you take towards your enemy? What actions do you take towards your enemy? So, this word enemies, the way that this word kind of jumped out at me, again, this is one of the words that jumped out at me, is it's odd that Jesus says, like, love your enemies. Again, it seems like, an, like a contradiction. And then I got to thinking, well, why would Jesus use the word enemies? It seems like if Christians are to love people, then if we're loving people, why would we call them an enemy? You don't love enemies, because then they're not your enemy. If you love somebody, they're not your enemy. It's like, it'd be the weirdest wedding ever. Like, we hate each other, but we love each other, and we're enemies. Like, what's going on here? Um, But this word enemy, it does mean, like, hostile, one of, the, one of the meanings for it is this, it's, host, it's a hostility. You are hostile towards this person. There's a hatred here. These are some of the words that are associated with this. Later on um, in the book of Luke, uh, Luke 10, uh, Jesus uses this same word. This same word for enemy shows up in Luke 10, 19. Jesus, when he's sending out um, the 72 um, disciples, and he says to them in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Again, this enemy is that same. There's this hostility. There's this hatred. This same word shows up. It also shows up um, in Paul's writings as well. This same uh, Greek word, the same Greek, Greek word for enemy, it shows up uh, in Philippians. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Philippians 3, 17 through 21. Uh, Paul writes here, says, Brothers, join in imitating me, in keeping your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told of you, and I now tell you, even with tears, Walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is in destruction, and their God is in their belly, and their glory is in their shame, with their minds set on earthly things. Again, Paul is saying, like, there's this, these are people that hate the cross, that hate Christ. There's this hostility towards the cross of Christ. And then Paul, like, there's a transition here in verse 20 in this passage. It says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. There's this... There, again, Jesus here, 
um, is saying, love your enemies. And Paul is saying, there's even enemies towards the cross. And then there are us who are being transformed, who have a citizenship as we are waiting Jesus' return. And so we see that there's, again, this split. That we are to love our enemies, and there are enemies. There's this hostility. But how do we do it? Again, it would be very easy for me to stand up here and just give us a bunch of moralistic things to do. Um, and Jesus here gives things to do. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Turn the other cheek. When someone sues you for your cloak, give him your tunic also. Give to everyone who begs of you. The one who takes away, don't expect anything back. And as you wish what others would do to you, so you do to them. I know when I was little, um, I know when I was little growing up with my five brothers, especially my younger brother, who there was a lot of hostility towards that enemy I hated. Um, and you would, he, my parents would say, my mom would normally say, you know, treat him how you would wish to be expected. You know, the golden rule. We, we, there's songs about it. There's veg, a veggie tale about it. There's like, we grow up hearing to do this thing. But why is it so stinking hard? Why is it so hard for us to love our enemies? We know we're supposed to do it, but why is it so hard? Jesus gives us these examples. Why is it so hard? Well, as, again, as Paul says, there's... We, there's this enemy, and we're not just fighting the person, but like, there's this hostility towards God's words. There's this hostility and hatred at times in our hearts towards God's word and God's people. But I think where does the change come in? As we, we confess our sins, we confess ourselves as a follower of Jesus, as Paul says here in Philippians, um, but our citizenship is in heaven. I don't know why that word keeps getting stuck in my mouth this morning. But our citizenship is in heaven. If we realize that, and that's where our hope is, and we know that we are supposed to love our enemy, but it's so hard. We desire to love them, but we just can't. What's the change? What's the change? How, how or what needs to change? Flip with me again to Romans, uh, Romans chapter 5, if you will. Romans 5 um, starting, starting um, actually, I want to start in verse 10. Get that word enemies, hostility, hatred, it shows up here in, in Romans 5, verse 10. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, much more shall we be reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. For while we were God's enemies, for while we were God's enemies, he reconciled us by the death of his son. And if we go back to verse 6 even, uh, back up in verse 6, like, for while we were still weak, at the right time, God died for the ungodly. The hostile, the enemy, that was us. We were that enemy. While we were angry and fighting against God, there's a, a study, the, um, the elders class that we have once a month here, the elders were going through the book of Romans, and in a video that we were watching, um, there's this thing called, uh, called unmerited favor, God giving his goodness to us. 
well, the, the teacher in there on the video said it's even, he could even say we could go further to say it is demerited favor. Not just we don't deserve God's goodness. We've actually done things to deserve the exact opposite. We've spit in his face. We've done the opposite. So instead of like, okay, I didn't deserve this thing you gave me. I actually deserve punishment. Not just, oh, this is a good thing you happen to get. Like, we actually deserve the opposite. For while we were sinners, at the right time, God died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would dare to die. But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies, God reconciled us. So if we are to love our enemies, Jesus isn't calling us to do something that he himself is not able to do, nor did he, well, someone else can do this. No, Christ showed us what it means to love our enemies. Christ showed us how to love our enemies. That while we were still sinners, that while we were still rebels, that while we were still fighting against God, he died for us because he loved us. Because he loved us. As I was studying, the, the, the Holy Spirit brought to mind um, a passage. I want to read, reread part of Luke 6, and then I want to look at another passage of Scripture where we see Jesus doing the very things he's telling the disciples, telling his followers to do. Back in Luke 6, But I say to you who hear, stay with me, guys, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on your cheek, offer him the other also. And from the one who takes away your, your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs of you. And from the ones who takes away uh, your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish other, sorry, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Hear the things Jesus is saying and what he's calling. It's like, okay, that's really easy for Jesus to say. That's really easy for Jesus to say. Well, listen what, what Jesus does and what Jesus says in Mark 15. Mark 15, 16 through 25. Jesus, he's just gone on trial before Pilate. And listen, listen to the, what he called them to do and what we see happening to Jesus. Mark, six, uh, Mark 15, starting in verse 16. Mark chapter 15. And the soldiers led him away inside of the palace. It was the, this was the governor's headquarters. Uh, and they called together the whole battalion, and they clothed him in a purple cloak, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on him. And they began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they began striking his head with a reed, and spitting on him, and kneeling down um, in homage before him. And, then, um, and when they had all mocked him, they stripped him of his purple cloak, um, and they put on his own cloak on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. And they compelled 
a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the, fa- uh, the father of Alexander and of Rufus, to carry the cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him a wine mixture of myrrh, and he did not take it. And they crucified him, and they divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide uh, what each would take. And then it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And there was an inscription charged against him, read, King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And, and those who passed by derived him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You would, who, who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days? Save yourself and come down off the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes mocked him uh, to one another, saying, He saved others, and he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we can see and believe. And those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Whoever strikes you, takes your coat, curses you, We see all of those things in this passage and more happening to Jesus. These enemies, these Romans, these these, um, also like the Pharisees and the priests and the scribes, the people, the religious people and the military people, like the enemies that Jesus is saying to love, and they are attacking him, they're abusing him, and they're doing all the things that Jesus is saying to love them through. Luke, in Luke 23, we see how Jesus responds. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. In this moment of attack, when his enemies are attacking him and abusing him and putting him to death, Jesus prays for them and on their behalf. Jesus prays for them on their behalf. Mark, Mark's account ends uh, in Mark 15 and verse 39. So after all this had happened, and Jesus he, he uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the temple was torn in verse 39, and the centurion who stood facing him saw all this when he breathed his last breath, and the centurion said, truly, this man was the Son of God. This Roman, this enemy, after seeing Jesus, his life and his response, this enemy acknowledged who Jesus truly was. Through Jesus' action, through Jesus' love, this enemy, surely this man was the Son of God. We don't know what happened to the centurion afterwards, where he went, who he talked to, what happened next. Um... I know there's been some movies made about it and probably a number of books and different things written about what could have happened and make, to make us uh, see his transformation. But I can't help but wonder, did this man become a follower? What, what, how did this man change? But at least here, uh, Mark records him saying, surely this man was the son of God. This centurion, this enemy recognized who Jesus was. So... Uh, there were three questions I, I posed at the beginning, and um, 
How do you see your enemy? How do they make you feel? And what actions do you take towards them? There was a, uh, when, when I used to teach um, at Calvary Christian Academy, there was a student there. Some of you heard the story the other night, but there was a student there, a seventh grader. That's a special age. Uh, this young man, when he was absent, I was so relieved. This young man knew how to push my buttons, knew how to uh, annoy me, and was, worked hard. And he was brilliant. He was brilliant. He would not get in trouble, but he knew how to poke just the right nerves in other people to get them to explode. So when you see the other person exploding and make, like, hey, you need to calm down. And he's just, <laughs> he, was, he was a mastermind of evil. Uh, and, the, he, and he was my enemy. I had hostility and hatred towards this young man. I'm saying that in a joking way now because, because I had those thoughts and they weren't private. Um, but, but the summer after his seventh grade year, during the summer, I didn't see the, this child. I was, uh, Ruth and I, um, in that summer, we were away all summer working at a summer camp uh, in, in uh, the state of New York. And that summer, God got a hold of my heart and told me, Marty, you need to love this young kid. But God, Marty, <laughs> you need to love this young man. Because you are annoying at times. You are an enemy. And he is made in my image. And he needs to see my love, Marty. So coming back, he's an eighth grader now. I'm like, okay, God. And the the interactions and the way I saw this evil seventh grader as now as an eighth grader who still sinned, who still knew how to poke, but my responses towards him were different. How did I see my enemy as someone who needs to be embarrassed, humiliated, and, uh, and corrected and disciplined with fire and vengeance and detention? How did I feel? Well, that's pretty obvious. You just heard, okay? Uh, and what actions did I take towards him? My comments towards him. The way I would celebrate and be happy and relieved when they were not there. But how did I see them after that summer? How did I see them? I saw this as a young man who needed to see the love of Christ. And I was the example. I was the Bible teacher at the school. I ha- he needed to see that coming from me. And how did I feel? I... It went from being angry and fiery vengeance towards this young man to empathy and softness and tenderness. And my actions and conversations towards him changed. Now again, I didn't, I didn't really know this kid's story a whole lot during his seventh grade year. I really didn't care. I was just trying to maintain order and get through the things I needed to when he was around. But without sharing too much, because I, I don't know who's even going to watch this live stream and could hear some of these things, but this young man had gone through a lot in his family. His family, his home life was not picturesque by any means. And really, he did need someone to love him, because that was a big missing component in his house. And things, the conversations we were able to have that summer, or that school year, were incredible. There were some junk he was going through and he was coming to me to talk about it and the way God knew God knew just like today with Joe being sick God knew and I was able 
one day we were talking and this kid, this tough kid, this poker kid, like broke down and was crying in my classroom as we were talking and he was realizing his messy home life, it wasn't his fault for the decisions his parents had made. It wasn't his fault for the situation he was in and that through this, like, God still loved him and wanted, wanted to use this young man in incredible, mighty ways. Nearing the end of his eighth grade year, he, he told me, Mr. Jellison, I'm transferring to a different school next year. Seventh grader telling me that? I would have celebrated. We would have had ice cream cake. It would have been a great day. As this young man told me nearing his eighth, the end of his eighth grade year, what has happened, my heart broke. Because those connections and, and the relationship was going to be severed because I wasn't going to see him every day. We had a great time. We've, we've been in touch. and um, He was in a good church. He was a, attending a, youth, a regular youth group. And things were going really well. And, and he left. And I didn't see him for about two years. We... Uh, And then one day, one week, I was having a really rough week at school. Stuff was happening. Just It was a rough week. And I walk out to my last, last class, and he's in the parking lot picking up his siblings who still go to the school. And he comes over. The kids are gross, but you see mass. He comes up, and the first thing he does is give me a hug. And I'm not saying this to brag as they look at me. But when God changes your heart towards your enemies, things change. When you start loving your enemies, as Christ says, things change. So, these three questions are good. And then, if it may be like, well, how do we process this? Go to, the, go to the head in the next slide. How did Jesus see his enemies? How did he feel about them? And what actions did he take towards them? We saw there uh, in the account of Mark... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When Jesus runs into the, uh, the woman at the well, we see how Jesus loves her and points her to this everlasting water, how he is the one that's come to save the Jews. When Jesus runs into Zacchaeus, this tax collector, this shrewd little man, Jesus loves on him and goes to his house, shares a meal, and Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Because Jesus loved on Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus saw who Jesus was, and his life was changed. We could go through story after story after story, and just think about all these, all the miracles Jesus has done in chapters 4 and 5 that we looked so far, about healing the lepers, about casting out demons, the man with the withered hand. Jesus is loving his enemies, people that are hostile towards him and his ministry, or, or at the very least, sinners and an enemy towards God. Jesus has loved them. And he calls us to love our enemies. So instead of me giving us a list of do these five things next time somebody is your enemy, I would, I would encourage you, how does Jesus see them? How does Jesus see you? How did Jesus see you? And how then should like, you see your neighbor? How then should you see this enemy? Do you see your neighbor as an enemy or like as a rebel sinner as you once were desperately in need of Christ's mercy
Do you see your neighbor as an enemy, as someone that's hatred, hostile, that needs to be destroyed and humiliated and broken down? Or do you see them as a rebel sinner, an enemy towards God, but they're desperately in need of his mercy, just as you once were, just as he has done it to you? And if we, again, and if we remember, as Jesus said uh, We looked at earlier in Luke 10. Jesus gives us the authority. Jesus gives us the power. Jesus gives us the ability. Jesus is not going to call us to do something and then make it impossible for us to do it. When he says, love your neighbor or love your enemy, he gives us his righteousness. He gives us his power and the ability to do that thing. When we read about martyrs and people that went to death for following Christ. And many times when we hear like just their solidarity, their strength, they didn't fight back. And the, as they passed from this life to be with Jesus, just the testimony they were. Maybe someone in that crowd, maybe someone in the crowd watching a martyr uh, be put to death was like the centurion. Truly, this man was a follower of God. Do you see your neighbor as an enemy, as a hostile, hated person? Or do you see them in someone desperately in need of Christ's mercy? Luke six thirty six. But be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. We have seen that over and over today, that He is merciful. He did not give us what we deserved but instead chose to love us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies, while we were still still rebels. How do you see them? But I say to you who hear, those who have ears to hear and are listening and have been moved by the Spirit and the ability to see and hear who God is, but I say to you, love your enemies. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you loved us, that you do love us. That you're not just calling us to be nice people, that you're not just calling us to be good people, but you're calling us to love as you love us. Thank you, God that you have transformed us. And may we not think that we are better than someone else, but may we see others, may we see the enemies, the people that are against us, may we see them as opportunities to share the gospel. May we see them as opportunities to share your mercy, to share the gospel with. I know it's been prayed once this morning, but for the names in the fish tank, the names of people that we've shared this story with, that we've shared your name with, that we shared the need for salvation with, God, that fish tank is full of rebels that are in need of your mercy. May your spirit open their eyes, open their hearts, and may they receive this gift of salvation that you freely offer to all who call on your name. That they go from being an enemy to an adopted son with a citizenship in heaven. Thank you for the, your spirit that you've given us that we are able to love, love others as you love us.
pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.